coverage and uh, the really nice review. That was really cool. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me at this particular point. So first things first, I just want to check in with you. How are you doing at the moment? I'm doing pretty well. Um, there's uh, a lot to do, but it's the it's the good kind of anxiety when you have, you do something and then this pops up, this pops up. And, uh, you know, it's the, the snowballing of um, activity that is ideally what happens when you release music. It's it's a much bigger problem if that's not happening. <laughs> it's keeping you busy. That's good to hear. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the response has been really cool so far. I think um, it is, it, you know, it was a very long time coming, putting this record out, and it's obviously a pretty demanding listen. There's a... Uh, kind of that little gestation period where you have to kind of wrap your head around it um, and kind of let things take shape and have those uh, experiences in your own way where you're able to just be there with the art and uh, yeah, and see what kind of comes together for you and what uh, maybe I, I don't fully get that thing yet. Maybe I, I need to revisit that. Um, but it's a pretty good sign when overwhelmingly uh, the consensus seems to be at least even from like a few listens, like these guys did like, for one thing, a dream and static was not like a flash in the pan fluke. These guys didn't come back with Chinese democracy part two and, uh, <laughs> and took uh, a million years to make something that wasn't worth listening to um it, it seems overwhelmingly like the uh the consensus so far has been like at the very least uh this is at the level that they established earlier and if anything it's maybe a bit beyond that we don't fully we haven't fully grasped it yet but it's it seems like something pretty formidable so yeah, um, I, I can't complain on that end Oh, absolutely. And I've not heard or read a single bad word about this, obviously, phenomenal album. So I have to ask, what is the overall band headspace like right now? Have you managed to come down from orbit yet? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's not too uh, not too hard to do that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the overall headspace is it's kind of a fine balance, I, I think, for us on one level um making this record kind of what we wanted to do on certain levels with the dream and static but weren't able to do through you know lack of our own uh knowledge of okay if you want this sort of sound you got to do this thing uh so having had the experience to kind of correct those things and make it what we wanted um in more ways than not uh was something on a very ground level that we were very happy with so uh, on one level that's uh that's a thing um and the the responses even just reading you know like one or two nice comments a day or every couple days certainly has a uh certainly um a very affirming effect but um yeah i mean i, I think you you kind of know that um obviously stuff like this can be fleeting and to keep the momentum going as we were talking about you have to really keep your head down and uh it, it's good to bask for a little bit but not not too long you gotta already on to the next thing you know making sure that the tour that's coming up or whatever we're putting out next is going to be successful and uh not 
left to the last minute and causing huge stresses, as can often be the case, especially in an ambitious project. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that momentum is so damn important. There is no stopping. And we are still talking really early days as well. We bear in mind, we're talking about let the truth speak in. It's only been out since the 17th of November. It's the 13th of December. We've not even done a full month yet. So there's plenty of time to sort of let it let the dust settle on it and then we'll see what the overall reactions are like. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, and I, I think we have a, a person that we worked with um, prior to like the current era of the band uh, in a management position had the slogan, think long. Um, and I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but I think if, if any record kind of merits that uh, attitude, I think it's this record. Um, I, I think it's going to be an album that is going to be doing work for us into the future and not just right now. Um, but um, yeah, I think we know that this is going to be a marathon and not a sprint. Um, and we're hoping to, for everything that went into this, kind of really uh, put everything we have into um, over the next year and a half uh, and beyond just uh, pounding the pavement with it, whether on the road or putting out cool pieces of content around it um, that kind of further the the life story of the record. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's super early into the process. And um, I, I think in, in many ways, it, it's very hard to have an opinion on even like <laughs> what I would call like a normal album, <laughs> And just, you know, like, a, OK, I've listened to it a couple times. Um, it, it's probably like a 7.8 out of 10 or something like that. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of records that like uh, have become classic albums for me that I forced myself to re-listen to like eight years after they came out. I'm like, oh, wow, this was actually really profound, like uh, Deliverance from Opeth is one of those records for me. Everyone's like, oh, it's too long. It's too meandery. And, mm. and I just had like one day when it hit me in the right space, like 13 years after it came out. No, actually, this is a classic album. This has <laughs> the best riffs ever written on it. Um, so yeah, no, um, I, I, yeah, it's a fine balance of, uh, you know, appreciating the moment of it, keeping your head down, being focused on the next thing, um, but also realizing that the full life story of this album is not going to play out in three weeks, um, that if things are going as they're supposed to be going, one thing will lead to the next and we have to just be ready and present to uh, meet those, you know, uh, those opportunities or uh, whatever comes along. But how as a group do you manage expectations around what you want to achieve with this release? As you've said yourself, it's a big ask for a listener. We live in attention struggling times yep. and all of that. So how do you manage your own personal expectations? It's different for every member of the band. I think we have, I mean, obviously writing the kind of music we write, we are tumultuous, like emo uh, emotionally intense individuals. Um, and, uh, from that, I think you can make some really cool art that has like some very gripping feeling in it, but you can also, uh, have one micro thing happen over the course of a day and then it sends you into an existential <laughs> downward spiral. Um, but it's different for every member. We all manage it differently. Uh, um, and I guess what I would say is I, I think what my outlook on it is, is that people, um, it, it's kind of similar to what I was just saying that I think 
so what you were saying about the the attention economy as it is right now that is absolutely a thing but as with any kind of sudden change it's not like that change just comes to pass and then all right everything going forward bands aren't doing albums anymore and every piece of content is going to be 30 seconds or less i think people by and large that care about this music don't want that mm. i think there's going to be for for any sudden change there will be a counter movement or something to that or even if it's not a movement there will still be a niche uh demand for those things um, so I, I'm not worried about it on on that end, but at the same time, I, I do think there's a fatiguing of um, like kind of in the in the same way, like uh, if you're hungry and you just keep reaching for a bag of chips and you're you're shoveling in the potato chips or crisps or whatever, and you're not getting a lot of nourishment out of it, you're you're gonna feel like crap or you're gonna feel unfulfilled. Um, and I think people on some level are looking um, for things that they have to chew on a bit. I, I think that is still a demand that people have. And I know from having made music for as long as I have and uh, gone through all the different processes of discovering a new artist, digesting the music, kind of living with it, coming back to it. Like that's such an enjoyable process, uh, both as an artist or just a, a listener. It, it's such a uh, there's such a sanctity to that. Um, and I, I really do think that uh, and I've actually had to go through this process with this album as a person who was hearing it in different phases of completion, hearing the master and being like, oh, this is pretty cool. This thing bothers me. I don't know how I feel about that. And channeling those things out and kind of being able to hear it more as a whole um it's a really exciting and fun process and i think um in a world where most of what's coming out is churn it out kind of disposable content i think there is really an attraction and an allure to those standalone pieces that are more like uh a, a big feature presentation that you kind of have to uh as i was saying you kind of have to chew on Mm. um but it's gonna it's it's got all the nutrition it's got all the food groups uh represented um it, it's gonna be something that you're gonna be able to come back to you're gonna be able to enjoy now you're gonna be able to come back to it in three five ten years and have a completely different experience with it um and you only have to buy it once you only have to get this album <laughs> once but you're gonna be able to it's gonna be able to live with you um and i think that's not something that's gonna go away so I think that's, that's a very word, a very wordy way of saying that, but I I do think there's something to that. Um, just because micro content is a thing right now, um, I I don't think the desire for uh, a richer and um, uh, kind of meatier experience with an album and with art is going to go away for people. But do you not do you not find that then you struggle on the other side of putting out music and being in a band and wanting your music and art to be appreciated, which of course is that micro content, be it playlists and stuff like that on yeah. streaming services and social media and all of that? Yeah, I mean, so it is a consistent struggle in a world that is not built around that, that is not equipped to or, um, you know, encouraging of long form less immediate content i mean we have been fortunate that um we have a, a really good team around us that has um pitched to playlists and we've, we've gotten on some i think we're on progressive metal and a handful of others right now mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean 
there are like even with the the record uh pre-release we there were certain songs we couldn't make um instant grat tracks on spotify because they were over the track length and um mm. a, a funny anecdote also on that end is uh there are a couple bands in our general sphere of like progressive stuff and they don't write songs anywhere near as long as us and they've had this problem with spotify lately where uh spotify has basically they've gone up like 3000 or 4000 monthly listeners for each of them but it's because spotify picked an interlude track for them and started showing it to people so their number one song for like these two bands are like these 30 second interludes that are completely unrepresentative of the band's music as a whole and it's just like wow this is how <laughs> ill equipped uh, you know streaming services are for anyone in like an arty kind of style of music um but uh, yeah i mean that kind of goes to show you that um it's uh, yeah it's a fine balance I, I think uh we we have to be a little bit we we have to be willing a little bit to play the content game as far as putting out content and when mm -hmm. i say content i mean like a video of okay here's ben in the studio you know drumming this part or in the rehearsal space here's jamie our guitarist talking about how he wrote this thing or but not um allowing the content to be content and trying to be more consistent with it than we have been to this point but uh the art to be art and not mm. a disposable piece of content it is a very fine balancing act and i don't really think there's anyone that's quite learned it yet yeah and i and it Again, like the whole, it's it's really hard to play at the Spotify game and, you know, Bandcamp and all that stuff, because even right now, we're kind of living through these things radically changing. And um, it's it's been unsustainable, mm. uh, not just for the bands, but for the way that these platforms, I would say, have exploited um, the resources and uh yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's currently a model that is evolving and it's probably going to go somewhere more in like an artist, a patron, like the Patreon and whatnot kind of uh, thing. But I mean, yeah, we're seeing um, it's it's you can't just kind of mold what you are to that thing, because I think by the time you do it, it's probably going to be a whole different, whole uh, different paradigm. The ever changing algorithms. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, it can feel very it can feel demotivating when like you you see how trivial the decision making is as to what gets seen or what doesn't get seen or playlisted it can kind of feel like someone just landed in like a god role where they're able someone in like yeah in sweden or something at their desk is like all right this band is going to have success this band is not going to have success and maybe a person who's never played an instrument or anything like that and um yeah but that is kind of what it is it is what it is um so take me back to the origins of let the truth speaks inception specifically i want to focus on your vision mm -hmm. did you have a clear-cut one at the very start well the the very clear-cut vision i had uh was i was having a beer with our keyboard player after a show in montreal and he was making he likes to wax poetic on certain things and um i don't always know if it's going to get to an arrival point but uh <laughs> he did say at uh some point in that conversation my ears perked up 
let the truth speak. And I think he was just talking about like art in general. And I was like, all right, stop. I'm writing that down on my phone. Uh, that's something. And I, it was just like one of those phrases where it, I didn't immediately know what it meant. I mean, there's a, there's a, a face value to it. Like, you know, like let this speak for itself. Um, but I, I knew that that there was something profound about that. And I think as we got into writing this record and kind of seeing the state of where the world was, the idea that uh, truth is kind of something that's called into uh, question in a way that feels very off the mark that like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the reality that we, it's almost a cliche to talk about, you basically tune into the version of reality that you want to accept. Um, and one review of the record, I thought, put this really well. Um, and I think was pretty close to our intent that truth is something that should speak for itself, that um, truth is not, you know, a person coming forward with their honest experience with something um, that you have no experience with uh, should be at least at the very least given the benefit of the doubt um and if not uh further than that um that person's experience should be taken more seriously than you saying well it doesn't seem that way to me or like that that seems like it's not the case um mm. the yeah so I, I would say the the idea of um truth speaking for itself was a big point on this record um and I, I think each track kind of in its own way grapples with that i mean you have the instrumentals one thing that we really like to do is the pairing of an instrumental song with a title and allowing the title of the interaction between what you're hearing and just that one collection of words to paint a picture and to put you in a certain frame of mind so but what if we're wrong um, and all we knew and ever loved, I think, are pretty good examples of that. Um, and in a very different way, watching the earth sink uh, is certainly a pretty evocative title. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think they're all kind of different reflections on um, this theme of, in, in certain ways, the t with the title, Let the Truth Speak, it's a little bit of a call to stepping back and being a little bit humble in moments when we want to maybe we disagree with something or we want to um say well yeah but i i think this is the case um and very often that's not allowing the maybe the the most important voices to be heard on something on a on an important topic um, or diluting what is being said by a person like, you know, maybe I have no, I have no background or, uh, if I were talking about, I don't know, jazz or like, uh, <laughs> um, open heart surgery, I, I wouldn't have, I would have nothing to contribute to the conversation. Mm. So I would want whoever is more of an expert on these topics to make their sides heard. Um, that was a little bit of a diversion. But um, yeah, I, I think you've seen it probably in the press releases about the album being a bit more of like a humanity as a whole, we versus I, less introspective and more overarching in um, what, you know, how we seem, <laughs> my cat yelling at me. <laughs> um, 
a bit more overarching in uh, the scope of um, what the music is dealing with on a thematic uh, angle. And I think uh, with that more overarching um, kind of view, I think we knew that the music and the collaborations had to come from more of a perspective than just four guys in the Northeast of the United States. It had to be uh, storytellers and people from a, a very wide range of musical traditions and all over the world, all different backgrounds. And that was kind of, that was a big part of the vision. Yep. Speaking of collaborations, so what did you do? Did you effectively make a long list of people or artists or bands and so on that you would, would like to work with and then just reached out and ticked them off as they came along? Um, that was, that's probably a little bit more straightforward than what we had to do. Uh, I think in the beginning it started off that way, but then, uh, the pandemic happened and, uh, everything kind of like we had basically like a first round of vocalists and collaborators lined up. Um, some that I think people would be pretty like, Whoa, like that person, um, but yeah, I mean, all it took was uh, the world changing in a pretty significant way. People having to move, go live with family again, or just falling into crippling depression or something. You know, a pandemic can certainly do that mm -hmm. um, to throw everything into upheaval. So we reached a point like a couple of years into the record where most collaboration slots were not filled and we had to back up and figure out a different approach to make that happen so that's kind of where our guitarist jamie's uh 1000 comment uh vocalist outreach post on facebook came into play um and that was insane he took like four to six months to go through it all and we discovered a lot of amazing um vocalists through that um a couple that were <laughs> we we are we, we didn't do it. We did it for very, uh, I would say, wholesome purposes, like wholesome, productive purposes. But we are also huge fans of So Bad It's Good that um, my guitarist had like a tier list or like a color coded thing. And he uh, was like, all right, green, various shades of green. If it's really dark green, then like this is really good. We got to, you know, check out this person or take them very seriously. If it's <laughs> really dark red then we maybe need to check them out for other reasons. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's where a lot of the vocalists that we ended up working with on this record came from. Uh, so Ketra, the woman singer, uh, and just a point of clarification there, because um, it is a little bit confusing. She is actually from Ottawa, Canada. Um, I know that there is a Ketra from uh, Malawi uh, and uh she that's not her <laughs> um but she uh she's a, a really amazing canadian uh vocalist um singer songwriter so we discovered her from that we discovered the uh indian uh singer on the set on the third track uh pre-tom uh we were kind of re we were encouraged to kind of reapproach um fire from the gods and aj from that um we had known about him but we didn't know his music that well and and being having people say like you should really check out uh check out his stuff um see like we think it could work and uh they were absolutely right um so there was him there was uh oh and uh Gennady, the uh, vocalist on vespers and let the truth speak the song um 
unbelievable, unreal talent. Um, it, it was a very different process from a dream and static. I think in some ways it, it was almost a little puzzling to us. I think there were circumstances that were in play with this record that were not for the first album, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, the pandemic and whatnot, but, uh, it, as a completely unknown band, it was kind of like a very straightforward process, a bit like what you were saying in the beginning of, um, with the Dream and Static. It was like we just reached out to these bigger singers and we're like, all right, let's see, you know, we got nothing to lose. And it came together. And then coming into this record, it was far more complicated um, and uh, not as straightforward. But I think ultimately uh, we got the people we needed to get. I, I think it brought a really unique um dimension to the record to have these singers and these artists that you're discovering alongside us that you may not be familiar with but are lending a completely unique uh stamp to each of these songs yeah the familiarity thing for sure it's very unique in that sense for a lot a lot of people but i have to ask considering you know there was some complications and it wasn't as straightforward as perhaps we would have liked was there ever a point where you thought okay our scope of thinking here is too big we need to step back and maybe reappraise this or were you just we're gonna do this no matter what no, that happened at many points. We felt we were in over our heads. Uh, we were in over our heads uh, at many moments. There were many times that almost uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, individual members felt like, I just can't do this. Like, this is this is too much of a, an existential trial. Uh, this is more than we bargained for. I, I think we went into the record with really good intentions to do this in a more efficient way. and. We learned from working with David Castillo and Jens Bogren in Sweden. Two of the guys like were right under, you know, their noses uh, for recording and mixing. And they learned a lot of great stuff. So we said, all right, let's try to do this. Take what we learned from them. We'll, you know, this will be more efficient with resources. Uh, we'll maybe save a little bit of money not having to. <laughs> it's funny to think about it that way with how things went. Um we'll save a little bit of money doing it ourselves and it was just maybe we could have done that if this were a normal rock or metal album that wasn't mm -hmm. so over the top into the nines and all the ways it ended up being um but we bit off so much more than we could chew with that um and i think we um we knew that pretty early on we were in over our heads and we had to course correct and so we ended up kind of having to build a team around us to do this insane album and that in and of itself is a really uniquely stressful thing on the first record we had basically an overseer of the record david castillo he kind of made sure all right on a daily basis where one of us is feeling overwhelmed or there's all this stuff to do um nope we're gonna you know come and hit the pavement we're gonna get it done and here it's like we have the guy who's doing the bass production we have the guy who's doing the guitar and the keyboards and there wasn't that same overseer of the whole project that fell on us largely. And um, not having that singular vision or that chaperone for a record that is very ambitious is fills many days with a lot of existential dread. For you on a personal level, then, um, taking all that into account, what was possibly the most challenging aspect of creating the record overall? Mm -hmm. Um, I... I mean, I think one of the things that uh, the other guys point out that I think is true is that each song was kind of almost like its own record production. 
that they were so different from each other. Um, and it's not just like, all right, you know, tracking drums for everything, tracking bass, guitars. Maybe this song has a guest guitar solo or something. And maybe this song has like a, a special something guest. It's like every song. Um, I think one thing we really wanted to double down on from the first record is we called ourselves cinematic rock, but we only had those cinematic elements in three songs like um with the more movie score orchestration so we wanted to a lot of people have called themselves cinematic since and so we wanted to say like all right fine you don't believe us we're doing it here this is cinematic uh so we wanted to basically bring that more overarchingly across the record and not sound like we had all right they have their post-rock, you know, genty side, and they have their cinematic side. We wanted to integrate everything into each other. And that meant bringing some of those additional orchestration or instrumentalist elements into almost every song. And that made almost every song um, like its own huge uh, project in a way that um, very few other records I think end up being um and so when you people are asking us like you were away for this long like why did it take you this long I mean that's a big part of it um mm. it was kind of like making I don't know like six to eight albums in one album yeah and all, many of the songs didn't have the same even if you're hearing strings on this song and strings on this song maybe the song had just a full string section this song had strings percussion and uh brass or something so that's its own separate thing the song had horns and uh yeah that it wasn't there was very few kind of catch-all things that got everything done at the same time it was a lot of vertical production where this has this 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 other one has this 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 yeah the it's an, an an incredible undertaking, but the end result does speak for itself. That's the thing you can reflect on the stresses and the the work and all that, but ultimately it exists and is out there, yes. <laughs> loved by everybody. Um, yeah, no, so, I mean, I I say, uh, and it's it's very uh, it's a very earnest thing. I'm very very grateful that we were just able to finish this, get this out, and have something that we are at least personally very happy with which is no small undertaking we are very we are almost unreasonably self-critical um so so to have just been able to, it took forever but to have been able to check that huge box off get it out there um and have people really enjoy it i mean that's uh kind of the cherry on top there <laughs> but um uh yeah no i i, I think there were so many moments in which it was unclear if we were going to reach that finish line um, and uh, a lot of uncertainty and doubt from there. But um, yeah, as you said, we, all, we ultimately did it. And uh, I don't think we would ever do this. I don't think we'd ever put ourselves through this again. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that we were able to finish it up and make something that we and other people are really uh, connecting with. Would you is it would you ever use the word pride proud and I ask this because ultimately it is one of the most startling brilliant releases of 2023. Uh, would I use the word that I'm proud of it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, we're tremendously proud of it. Um, yeah, I mean we are the consummate band that makes the music we would want to listen to, 
um, whatever craziness that might be. And uh, yeah, ideally you do, we make it, um, I would say most artists that are kind of worth their salt, they make it for themselves on some level. Obviously art is meant to be shared and we want people to enjoy it. Um, but uh, you've got to kind of be happy with it on some level as the creator. And uh, I would say this is one of the first things, at least for me personally, that I've been really proud of as a creator. I, I dream in static. I'm proud of it. Um, but I think it wasn't, there, there were ways in which I, I wanted certain things to be that were not as much how they turned out. Um, but this got much, much closer to that benchmark. Um, yeah, I, I would say we're extremely proud of it. I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, looking a little bit forward now and into 2024, because we are at the end of 2023. What can we possibly expect from Earthside? What can you kind of reveal to me in regards to what you would like potentially to do next year? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for everything that went into this, we have to um, really rise to the occasion and just kind of hit everything ground running we possibly can. We're uh, lining up some festivals. Um, we plan to do a lot of touring, bringing uh, a really unique show out on the road uh, that we're currently putting together uh, from a multimedia aspect. People, you know, what we do it often begs the natural question well how do you do this live like mm. believe it or not we don't like show up at these people at our like singers doors blindfold them and throw them in a truck and then they're like we kick them out all right come on we have a set now um <laughs> we don't do that uh but yeah we have a way that we represent their unique uh contributions to songs um from an audio visual and lighting standpoint that pr projects them alongside us uh performing and uh, has this uh, cool visual lighting element that kind of works its way throughout a set. Um, we really, we don't want to view what we're doing as we're just putting on like a bare minimum rock show for you, because that's not what this music calls for. Mm. At the same time, we don't have the resources to bring you Hans Zimmer live yet. That's the goal. We want, that. that's the kind of experience we ultimately <laughs> want to put on. Um, but we're starting to build that out little by little right now. We want, even at a smaller level, people to walk away from an Earthside show thinking like, you know, I didn't just see some rock band, like four guys on stage playing guitars and drums. This was an experience. This was an immersive, special, unique thing. Um, so we, it's going to be a mix of uh, kind of honing that to the highest level we possibly can. And uh you know, as as scrappy as we can be, uh, bringing that to as many people in as wide a span of geographic locations as we possibly can. And uh, also probably putting out uh, quite a bit of cool additional supplemental content around the record. Um, I think some of these songs you really, as a listener, I think people are like, like, who is doing this? Who is doing what? How did this come together? Um, and I think it would be really cool to give each song its own kind of moment in the sun. Um, you know, as we were talking about, each song is almost like its own production on a very big level. Um, so, yeah, I think we want to uh, give people a unique window into each of those specific pieces of work. Shine a spotlight on each individual track, um, tour far and wide. I mean, that's going to keep you incredibly busy in 2024. And that's all we want to hear. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, probably not a lot of sleep, uh, but a lot of uh, a lot of moving around, a lot of playing, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, this material from a, a drum standpoint was I didn't realize <laughs> that this was going to be uh, quite a bit more onerous than the first record, but uh, mm. I'm excited to. Uh, it also means that I kind of get to push myself, so uh, it, it's been really fun to play out that material live um it because yeah it, it calls for a higher level of um of stamina and a higher level of like how the heck like these guys wanted me to do something absolutely absurd in this spot and i can kind of do it in the studio but like how do i make this work when i'm like 35 minutes into a set and like my arms bothering me <laughs> um but no i mean we also really love uh we love playing live we love shit it, it we're not uh the simplest band live um but we we love the connection uh that you get that is completely unique to the live experience um when sharing music with people i hope i get to see you play uh live next year at some point if you are become my neck of the woods obviously it is the uk so it is a little bit of a track uh, uh, I, I think you will, yeah i think uk will be well serviced we have uh, so much of our operation out there. We we already have a couple things that are lined up, um, but yeah, we will. I'm I'm pretty uh, sure we'll see you out there. <laughs> good, good, good. All right, one more for you, Ben, and it's uh, just generalized us because we're in December, and then of course yeah. the end of the year, and it is the festive period for many different people in many different ways. So I wanted to ask you, what does an Earthside Christmas look like? Um, I mean, it's probably a bit different for everyone. I think for uh, <laughs> for my family, it's probably going to be uh, getting uh, some form of uh, Chinese or Thai food and seeing a movie. <laughs> um, but um, I, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have like a little bit of a break on our end, but we're not going to be able to take too much of a break because we have uh, an, a lot of uh, prep that we have to get together very quickly for the tour in uh end of january february um mm. the music industry as a whole goes into a coma when the christmas music turns on uh none of us particularly like christmas music um unless it's like uh uh i don't know like i declare war like the the metal bands that like growl over christmas songs. Yeah. um but uh yeah no i mean we have to kind of while that uh industry um time away is going we have to be churning away and making sure that we're getting everything to where it needs to be so that when we hit the ground running in 2024 um everything is primed for action there it is as long as you get some time off that's what i want to hear but of course it's to remind people that the true speak it is at now out as of November 17th, a phenomenal release that deserves everyone's attention and will no doubt, if it hasn't already appeared in people's top lists end of the year, all of that arbitrary stuff, it will still appear in plenty more um, before the year is wrapped up. Uh, ben, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. I really appreciate it, Carl. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button button it is gratefully appreciated you can find us over at gbhbl.com our full website where reviews news and so much more goes up daily we're also on all social media platforms facebook instagram twitter threads at gbhbl just search for gbhbl and you will find us out there we also have merchandise on sale you can access the shop via the website